Hello, I'm Evan Novi-Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And today we begin with the big game, of course, the Super Bowl. A lot of the money around the game, Evan, surrounds the advertising. There are clear, it seems, winners and losers here. The things people are talking about the day after, the ones that are getting universally panned for a variety of reasons. Now, we saw the Amazon ad the week before the game. Alexa loses her Alexa voice. Alexa loses her voice. And I turned to you. I think I saw it first. Yay for me. And I said, this is awesome. This is good. This is going to be one of those that resonates during the game. Alexa, show me a recipe for a grilled cheese sandwich. Pathetic. You're 32 years of age. And you don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Alexa, how far is Mars? Oh, how far is Mars? Well, how am I supposed to know? I've never been there. This guy want to go to Mars. Evan, you saw this commercial before. Are you at all surprised that it resonated with the viewers? I'm not surprised. It's got a perfect mix of what people expect in Super Bowl ads, right? There's a little bit of humor in it. There's names you recognize, little cameo appearances by Bezos and Cardi B, etc. There's pop think culture about what, references. Think about what you just said. There are cameos by Bezos and Cardi exactly. B. That's and a recipe for success. Lecter. Absolutely. I, I do. I'm still confused as to why these things come out or a lot of these ads seem to come out four or five days before the actual Super Bowl. And I can tell you, I was in a bar in New Jersey, uh, packed a couple hundred people there. Uh, that ad did not get a huge laugh. And you could kind of hear people saying, oh, yeah, this is this is that Amazon ad. The ad that got the biggest laugh, hands down, was the you're, Eli you're segueing Odell already. Beckham. You're segueing away from I'm Amazon. I'm not segueing away. <laughs> All I'm saying is that it seems bizarre to me. It takes a lot of the, the impact of the ad away, I think. If you see it on Twitter on Friday night, heading into Sunday Not Super Bowl. everything is aimed for the football audience, however. And while, yes, while Eli Manning dancing, and it seems like he's assumed sort of this face of the NFL mantle from his brother, but to have him and Odell Beckham doing dirty dancing... That, yes, is going to laugh, but that's for the ad was for the NFL. They weren't selling a product. They were sure. selling the league itself. I would think that would appeal to the football fan. It seems in your venue, it did. But let's not forget what makes up this audience. This is a whole lot of casual sports fans who don't watch football on a regular basis. That's a big part of this audience. And you got a lot of decision makers in households, which is why we see Procter and Gamble so heavily in. It's who has the purchasing power in the household. That's the person that says, Alexa, play whatever. I think that's why it resonates. Sure, but does does it impact less if you've already seen it, right? If you're watching the game for the commercials and a commercial comes on that you've already seen, doesn't that in some ways detract from the impact the ad could have if it's a really a great ad and you want to be paying attention to it? Yeah, you need people, though, that familiarity. I mean, because right now, I'm thinking, wait, what was that for? In the old days, and this is, I mean, funny, 10, 15 years ago, the old days of television, you always had, I remember that ad with whatever was funny. They, what was that for again? I'm not sure that people had the retention power to really say, I love that ad with Anthony Hopkins and Cardi B and Amazon. They just said, I really thought that was funny with Cardi B. But what was that for again? So you have the familiarity. It's building momentum to the game. You've heard about it. There's been word of mouth. You haven't seen it. Not everybody is you on your phone 24-7 and is so familiar with this stuff. Maybe they heard a little something about it, but they haven't seen it. And then they're like, oh, this is that ad I heard about. 
And to be clear, I'm sure releasing it early is the smart thing to do. I don't believe that Amazon and all these other companies would release it early if it ended up being dumb. I'm sure they're smarter than I am. All I'm saying is that it strikes me as- I will say you're not going on a limb. (laughs) Jeff Bezos is smarter than you. Absolutely. It just strikes me as weird. And for me personally, uh, it detracts a little bit from the experience uh, when there's a funny Super Bowl ad that I just happened to catch four or five days before the game. There were some big misses on the field, some some field goals, some extra points, and in the advertising there, world, there always is. There's always one or two. There, there, there seems that there's a universal response on the downside to this ad. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Yeah, that, that's Martin Luther King. Uh, it's a Dodge Ram ad using a, a voiceover of his uh, in an effort to to sell trucks. Uh, look, this seems like the kind of thing that they probably knew was going to be a hit or a miss, and, and they probably thought it was a hit, but it's certainly risky, right? Anytime you're an advertiser and you're wading into what is one of the hottest political spheres topics going on right now, uh, that can be a risk. And this one seems to have backfired. I mean, I, you understand why they might be doing it. It's Black History Month. Um, again, this is a topic that is hot right now in terms of what's going on in the country. Um, they were working with the Martin Luther King estate. So there were people that- Does that, that give that, them uh, enough cover? That's, that, does I don't that think that give gives them, them cover. cover but so you we, can, didn't just, we didn't just appropriate the speech. This had participation from- the representatives of the estate, they knew what we were doing. They helped us create it. They're okay with the message. You should be okay with the message, too. Yeah, I don't know if that gives them full cover, but you certainly would like to think that if the if the Martin Luther King estate was like, mm, whoa, this, yeah, this is not a good idea, <laughs> like, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be doing that, <laughs> that maybe they wouldn't have. And, and, and theoretically, there was some at least tacit approval to use the voice uh, in that setting. Um, so I can see how Dodge puts this together and thinks, hey, m- this might be a home run. And, and maybe it would have been in a different world. I just wonder about but the it turns time. out it was not. It but was about clearly service. I, I wonder in the is this like because the truck does work with you service the tie-in for, at its highest intellectual level. Odd for us to be doing that here, I know. But at the intellectual level, do you make the tie between the truck I used to pull the log and the kind of service it seems Dr. King was talking about? And it's, have you seen the, the alternate version, the one that people cut over, that, that's him actually talking about car commercials and his thoughts on them? You know, there, there's a speech he gave where he's talking about how devious the advertising industry is and how they try to convince you that your neighbor will like you more if you buy this car. I mean, this is a topic that he's explicitly addressed in, in his teaching when he's alive. Um, and obviously, the Dodge, I don't think, knew that. Um, but this has come back to bite them for sure. Well, you know whose neighbor right about now is going, hey, you know who I live next to? I live next to Nick Foles. Mm. Nobody says that about the backup quarterback. Maybe a couple of people. Hey, it's pretty cool. I live next to an eagle. Like, hey, he's in the, you know, he'll throw the, the fall in the front yard with my kid. But if there's any big winner of this Super Bowl, the guy, it's Nick Foles. I mean, takes over for Carson Wentz in week 14. And there was a New York Times headline when Wentz got hurt. I don't remember the exact wording, but it was sort of like, Wentz goes down, here's the dread in Philadelphia, season over, oh well, couldn't happen. What a great story. Absolutely. I mean, you go, he's a perennial backup. You you look at yearbooks from a couple years ago, media were saying that he was never going to be anything more than just a serviceable backup. He was kind of firmly set in that role. And you heard him say yesterday that he thought about leaving the league a couple years ago. You know, a couple years ago, there was a time where 
I was thinking about hanging up the cleats. And, you know, I think as people, you know, we deal with struggles. You know who else is happy he didn't hang it up outside of just the Eagles? Uh, the, the next real estate agent that he uses to buy his next home, the guy who's going to sell him his next car. This is going to be a very, very lucrative performance for Nick Foles. He's not a free agent yet. He's a free agent at the end of next year. Uh, could get traded, could stay with the Eagles. I imagine in his future there is a much bigger payday on top of all the marketing and stuff he can do now. Right, so that's the off-field, but the on-field dollars and cents here now matters because Carson Wentz isn't making a ton of money, but he's coming off of reconstructive knee surgery. Now you've got a guy who's pretty young, who has shown he has no problem performing on the big stage, and his coach made clear that this guy did a great job. Nick has shown exactly who he is and what he can do and what he's capable of doing. He's well-deserved of the honor. So the question now going into next year, Evan, easy one. What do you do with the quarterbacks? You have an asset here in one of them in a league with a dearth of quality starting quarterbacks where you could turn that into some valuable properties. First world quarterback problems. We, we have two great quarterbacks. What do we do with them? Uh, well, the first we question. Saw what the Patriots did. They got rid of the backup. Now they got a 40, 41 year old guy who didn't win this year. Sure. I think the first question for the Eagles, A, is how confident are you in Wentz's recovery? I mean, if you believe that he is fully 100% healthy, no ill effects, uh, then I think you obviously you think about your future. You think about maybe moving Nick Foles. Wentz is the younger of the two of them, obviously, and as of two months ago, was the clear future of the franchise. Uh, but again, this is a problem that NFL teams love love to have, you know, too, too many quarterbacks. They don't have, as you said, Wentz is not making a ton of money. Foles is on a contract that's fairly small as well. They're not, they don't have to make a huge decision now. They could theoretically bring them both back. Um, we'll see. Well, you know who else was seeing? America did see this game. 47-4 overnight nice rating. Thank you. <laughs> Down 3% from last year. Lowest since 2010. Lower since 20, you know, lowest since 2010. But in a year where things were down about double digits, if they can get total viewers in the 107, 108 million range, not the worst thing for the NFL. Yeah, NBC said before the game that they were expecting a, a little bit of a dip in in audience. I'm sure the NFL was the same way. So three percent that's not that's not terrible. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe these numbers include your folks who are streaming. There, um, this is non digital audience. And NBC, by the way, has been very very active in the total audience measurement in a world where let's see who who else advertised. By the way, worth noting, who else advertised on this game? Hulu, Amazon. Amazon. Netflix. HBO, Netflix, all the right now we know Amazon's a bitter for Thursday night rights. When does Netflix, HBO, who, when do they jump in and become bitters opposite NBC? Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at that number of people that are streaming these games is getting higher and higher. So I would I wouldn't be shocked if this total audience number isn't all that far off from what we saw last year. And again, as in a year where NFL ratings were down. Seven, eight, nine percent across the board. A three percent drop in in the big event uh, is probably not that not that bad a loss for uh, for the NFL. I do think that they avoided what could have been a calamitous situation with that catch rule ruling at the end of at the in the fourth quarter. Don't get me started. I know what it is. If that had been overturned, um, I would imagine outside of just rioting in the streets of Philadelphia, um, I there thought they did been, that anyway. They did do that anyway. They did do that anyway. That would have, I think, caused a, a, a huge kind of fault line in the. It, it reinforced everything everybody fears about the NFL. All right, from Super Bowl rings to Olympic rings, here we go. NBC again 
if you're looking at somebody a busy, busy time, uh, Mark Lazarus is going to go from Minnesota to Pyeongchang, South Korea for the Olympics. Interesting to see what the audience is going to be like here. You don't have hockey. The biggest names, I mean, you have hockey, yeah. but not the NHL, no, NHL. stars. Uh, the biggest names, Lindsey Vaughn, Michaela Schifrin. I'm not so sure how household the rest of it is in the ice skating, the figure skating. Where are we headed with these Olympics? What am I supposed to get excited about? I mean, I think that it seems like every year the the Olympic movement seems to suffer a little bit of a, of a viewership loss. I mean, there's always going to be the folks that, A, either love these Olympic sports or B, and I would consider myself in the second category, people that just like once every four years to see sports like curling and, and ski jumping that I never see outside of it. So, so those audiences will still be there. Uh, the time change certainly hurts. NBC, if you're thinking about just a, just a domestic American audience, I don't know how much it'll people be are going to be if watching. If you know the live. result, will you watch it live? I mean, they put in Beijing. Don't forget, Michael Phelps had to swim at eight in the morning because they wanted that live here in the U.S. And the U.S. broadcaster is still the main source of revenue for the IOC. And we're headed into a time where bidding for the games has changed. They're they're going to focus uh, on um, on cities that don't have to invest so much in infrastructure like LA. They, they changed it this past time, Paris, LA. So it's, it's a big time of change for the IOC. Let's see what happens to the games themselves. It seems as though the dominant international storyline right now is the, the geopolitical relations between South Korea and North Korea. Do you think that that draws people in? Do you think that is kind of enough of a hook to maybe draw a more casual viewer in to see, oh, what's going on in the Olympics? Just because they may care about North Korea, South Korea, the political side and less about the sport itself? I can keep my answer short because we're wrapping. No. (laughs) So we'll see what happens on the field of play. I'm Scott Soshnick along with Evan Novi-Williams. We're here each and every Monday and Friday exploring the world of money and sports. Yes, we are. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes.